Open your Bibles to John chapter 15. I often tell young preachers, if you'll just preach the Bible, God will deal with whatever needs to be dealt with. If I had to come up with a message every week, that would be very difficult for me to do. There's a comfort knowing that if I just preach the Bible, God will deal with what's going on in the world. So I want you to see our text today in John chapter 15. We're going to read it, and I think that you'll understand that this is a very appropriate text for what happened this past week. So John chapter 15, and let's start reading in verse 17. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out. Would you mark that? Out of the world? Would you mark that? Out of the world? But I have cho- chosen you out of the world... Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had come and spoken unto them... They had not sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this text and and some of the other verses that we're going to look at this morning, they really do explain where we are. So, Lord, help us to have comfort, have rest in your word. Lord, help us to be challenged by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how many of you saw that the Supreme Court this week upheld gay marriage and they have made homosexual marriage, same-sex marriage, the law of the land? How many of you have seen that? Now, this message is not going to be on that subject. We're going to preach the text. But I will, from this text make some comments about that subject. Let me begin with this. Our position in the world has not changed. Our position in the world has not changed. Um, But the way the world receives us has. You see, for the last several hundred years in America, Christians have been reviled for being better than the world. You think you're better than me. And you didn't have to say anything, your behavior. All right, someone would buy you an alcoholic drink and you'd say, well, I don't drink. You think you're better than me. Right? How many of you have ever experienced something like that? And so the position of the Christian in the world has been that we are perceived to be better than those who are non-religious or irreligious. That's flipped upside down now. 
Now we are looked at as worse than them because we believe that homosexuality is wrong. And so now we are considered judgmental and hateful, bigoted, all of those things. So now our position where we used to be really exalted, that guy is a good man, I wish I could live like he does, or I'm glad I don't have to live like he does because I want to live like the world. That's changed. Now we are looked down on, we are reviled, and it's going to get worse and worse. And one of the results of this uh, decision by the Supreme Court is that we will now, it is guaranteed that we will now suffer persecution. You know that. That's what's going on. That's why, isn't this passage of Scripture timely for today? So let's look at some things from the text, and then I'll make some other comments. First of all, I want you to see that our foundation is love, not hate. Our foundation is love. Look at what it says in verse 17. These things I command you, that you love one another. And the Bible tells us in 1 John that we can't love until we have been loved. The reason that we can love each other is because God loved us and sent the Son, and Jesus loved us and showed us how to love someone else. Isn't that right? And so the foundation for everything that we do is love. It is not hate. Because you disagree with homosexuality, that does not make you a hateful person. Homosexuality is destructive to the individual. It is not loving to tell them that that's okay. Talk to any doctor, they will tell you that it's destructive. It is physically destructive. Talk to any psychiatrist. They will tell you that it is emotionally destructive. The studies will tell you that uh, homosexuals have 70% higher cases of mental illness than heterosexual people. And you can remove the stigma of society from it. The the stigma of, of, the, of homosexuality being wrong in society is not the cause of the mental illness. The cases of physical abuse in homosexual relationships are 80% higher than in heterosexual relationships. That is that lesbian couples have more physical abuse within those couples than heterosexual couples do. Homosexual couples... Homosexual male couples have more cases of physical, spousal abuse than in heterosexual relationships. It is not a healthy lifestyle. So the foundation is not hatred, it's love. Now, let's be very clear. That lifestyle is repulsive to normal people. This Supreme Court decision cannot make this behavior normal. It can't. And it is not loving to tell a 15-year-old that you're going to have a great life if you keep walking down this road. That's not love. Love is Jesus Christ loves you. He created you for a purpose. He has a plan for your life that is fantastic. You may get married. You may not get married. A person doesn't have to get married. Amen? A person doesn't have to get married. But God has a plan 
for you. He loves you. He created you for a purpose. And homosexuality violates God's purpose for you. So the reason I tell you that it's wrong and it's harmful is because it violates God's plan for you. And I promise you, God's plan for you is only good. It's love. Our foundation is love, and it's love for each other. And don't allow the world to change the definition of love. Our, Our president keeps saying that people ought to be able to love who they want to love. He is under the misunderstanding that homosexuality is about love. I believe that he is willingly ignorant. Every person who has studied the subject knows that homosexuality is not about a lifelong relationship. It's about a physical urge and a physical act. It has nothing to do with a lifelong, monogamous, loving relationship. It has nothing to do with that. Now, here's what someone will say. Well, I know someone who has been in a relationship. Well, that may be true. I will concede that, but that is not the norm. The average gay man has more than 100 partners in his life. It is not about a healthy, monogamous, loving relationship. And so, it has nothing to do with marriage. It has absolutely nothing to do with marriage. So we have to remember that the foundation for everything that we as Christians do in the world, it is love. Now, how many of you have seen Christians say things in a hateful way? Right? So we can't do that. We cannot behave that way. That, you know, that Westboro has to be a Baptist church, right? Westboro Baptist Church, God hates fags. That cannot be, first of all, it's not true. For God so loved the world. Amen? It's so important. The foundation for everything that we do is love. Now, let me say this. Let me be very clear. Regardless of what ESPN does, I guess they just gave the ESPY to Bruce Jenner. Regardless of what ESPN says, every locker room in the world, the men do not like homosexuality. Now, how many of you men in here played sports? Would you raise your hand? Were there ever gay jokes in the locker room? If there were, raise your hand. And what was it about? It was about not being tough. Or if you wanted to really get a guy, you'd come up next to him and put your arm around him or something. And then what happens? You generally get punched or that guy runs away. Or Why? Because it's not a natural thing. It's, it's repugnant to a male. So you young people, don't let a teacher or a class or something on ESPN try to say that you are abnormal for having that response. That is the normal response. God made men to like women. It's just true. The biggest problem in America is not men liking men. It's men liking women too much. Amen? It's very clear. And so... We have to remember that the foundation for everything is love. Listen, if there were a homosexual man in this room right now, if there were a homosexual lady in this room right now, 
And there may be. Here's what I want you to know. I love you. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And if you were being attacked physically, I would stand with you and defend you. I would. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. That's why I want you to come out of that lifestyle. Because that lifestyle will hurt you. It will hurt you. So our foundation is love. But secondly, our experience will be hate. Look at what it says in verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. We have had a unique experience here in America for the last 300 years. We, we've not been reviled for being Christians. You might be teased. You might have some trouble. But because our nation was predominantly made up of either Christians or people who had a pro-biblical understanding of the world, life has been really easy for us. That is unusual in the history of the world. See, reality has come to the United States. Reality has come. And so now what's going to happen is, just for living as a Christian and answering questions in a Christian, from a Christian worldview, now the world will hate you. Now some of you young people may already be experiencing this. Well, that's okay. You need to understand that because of who we are in the world, and because the Bible says that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Bible says that the world will continue to get progressively and progressively worse. Right? Well, we need to understand, as that happens, and as we are followers of Christ, the world will hate us, not because we are hateful or worthy of hate, but because we are not like them. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't fit in? Has that ever happened to you? I went to hear E.V. Hill. How many of you ever heard E.V. Hill preach? He was a pastor in Los Angeles. Man, he was a great preacher. And so I had wanted to hear him preach. Well, he was preaching at a black church in Chicago. And so a buddy of mine and me, Mike Azinger, we drove to this church, and it was in a really bad area. We're the only white people within miles. And we go to this church, and you know what those folks did? We pulled up. These guys came around us. They took our car and they put it in a place and they, they uh, posted guys around our car to make sure that nothing happened to us. They brought us in and they put us on the front row. I got to hear E.V. Hill preach. And man, if you could only hear him preach. He was preaching on um, the, the Psalm 23. And he said, I was flying from New York back to Los Angeles. And if you've ever heard E.V. Hill, that's, that's just the way that he talked. And he said, I, was, I decided that I was going to read through the Psalms, and I started at Psalm 23. And I read the first verse, the first words, and it said, the Lord. And I started thinking about the Lord, and he went on and preached about that. And I got about to Philadelphia, and I saw the Lord is. And he put on preaching about the Lord is. This is one of the greatest sermons I ever heard. Then when he got to the part, he said, I got to Denver and I started thinking about the Lord is mine. He just started. How many of you like that already? That's good, isn't it? But man, I'm just telling you, Mike and I walked in there. And how many of you know that I probably don't blend at a black church? 
Right? I, I, I didn't fit in. When I went to Africa with Brother Clayton, this little, this, one of the girls brought this little about two-year-old girl, and she's just staring at me, and she reached over and rubbed my face to look to see if it would come off. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't fit in. Well, that's the way the world is becoming for a Christian. Right? And whereas that church welcomed us and protected us, and, and we were special honored guests. Just flip that. We are not going to be welcomed in the world. What happens when we lose our tax exemption? And that's, that is not very far away, right, based on this Supreme Court decision. Do you give for a tax exemption? Or do you give because you love the Lord's work and you love the Lord? I bet you there's a lot of churches that close when they lose their tax exemption. Because it's a financial motive, not a spiritual motive. You see, we have to understand that if we live as Christians in this world, that this world is going to hate us. It's interesting. I, I've got a book by Pliny, and Pliny was a governor for Trajan the emperor, the Roman emperor in the first century. And Pliny is writing a letter to Trajan asking about how to handle the Christians. And he said, let me tell you what I've done with the Christians. And if they will sacrifice to the, the Roman gods, then I will only whip them. But if they won't, then, I w then, then we are putting them to death. If they'll, if they'll deny Jesus Christ and make sacrifices to the Roman gods, then we will simply punish them and let them be. But if they say that they will only worship Jesus, then we put them to death. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? And Trajan wrote him back and said, you're doing well. That's where we're headed. And what is the religion of the world? What is the religion that our religion is going to come into conflict with? It is equality. The religion of the world is equality. But they don't really believe in that. If they did, then they would consider our faith equal with theirs. But they don't. They don't. You see, they believe in tolerance, but they cannot tolerate our intolerance. It doesn't make any sense. You've got to take your brain out and play with it to think like these people. The issue is they hate anything that tells them they can't do what they want. Young people. Some of you will go off into the world because you don't want to be told what to do. It's like the guy that went to the Marine Corps because he was tired of being told what to do. <laughs> and so what happens is you start conforming to the nonconformists. Have you ever noticed that all the nonconformists dress the same way? <laughs> Remember the grunge movement? Everybody wore a flannel shirt. Right? They were... Kurt Cobain, that whole Seattle movement, they all looked and smelled the same. <laughs> it's very interesting because here's the deal. All of us align with someone. All of us conform to something. And if, if you refuse, the Bible describes you as a fool. A fool is a person that refuses instruction. They can't be told anything. And what happens is the only result of that is destruction. 
Look at uh, Proverbs 29. Young people get mad because they're told when to go to bed. Now, how many of you know it's probably a good thing for a college student to go to bed? How many of you think that's probably a good idea? Right? And yet, some people rebel at that. Do you know why you rebel at that? Because you're stupid. (laughs) It's just dumb. You are the person who needs to be told, go to bed. Amen? And I mean that with all the love in my heart. Don't be stupid. It'll hurt you. Look at verse 1. Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved... Now, the word reprove, it means to show where you're wrong. Okay? Now, in order for there to be reproof, there has to be right and wrong. That's why the world says that there is no right and wrong. The only thing that's wrong is saying that there's right and wrong. Well, if there's no right and wrong, how can it be wrong to say that there's right and wrong? Then it doesn't make any sense. How many of you recognize it's hard to find out what the rules are? Right? Okay. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Why? There is no... Young people, look up here. There is no answer for a person who rejects the truth. The only remedy is the truth. And if you're rejecting the truth, you're going to be destroyed. And if the truth is the only remedy and you reject the truth, there is no hope. So what does Satan say? There is no truth. You have your truth, I have my truth, and they're all equal. Remember the progressive mindset, the way that this works. What is a progressive? A progressive is Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, John McCain. They're progressives. They, they don't like absolute authority. Very important. And so, and Hillary Clinton herself said, are you a liberal? And she was asked, are you a liberal? She said, no, I'm a progressive. So how many of you heard of progressive insurance? Same thing. They're called that. That's, that's Marxism. It's communism. That's where that comes from, that thinking. And so the, what the progressive wants to do is undermine all traditional authority. That's what progressivism is about. And what they say is, here's the way that they come. First of all, we demand to be heard. Second, we demand to be equal. And third, we demand to be exclusive. All right? Gay community. We just want to be heard. We want to have a voice. Now we have equal rights, civil rights. Now, if you disagree with that, we'll shut down your company. You're not allowed to participate in civil society. You cannot be elected. You cannot serve as a judge. You cannot be on the board of a corporation if you disagree with gay marriage. Well, wait a minute. I thought we're all equal. See, multiculturalism says that all ideas and cultures are valid and equal, which is completely and patently absurd. Why do people want to come to America? Because we're better. Oh, 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 you, you can't say that. Well, go live in India for a little while. 
Why? They're having a heat wave in India, and, and thousands and thousands are dying. We have heat waves in the United States every year. Three or four people die, yeah, but not thousands. Why? Because our electrical grid is better. Why is it better? Because our system is better. And what built the system was absolutes. And so this concept of multiculturalism, you know, go to imagine South Carolina. The reason that North and South Carolina are doing so well is because they have governmental policies of low taxes and very limited regulation. Okay? So all these companies, Boeing goes and builds a plant from Seattle where there's real high taxes and real high uh, regulation. And so they go to South Carolina where there's almost no taxes and almost no regulation. And so the population grows in those, the income grows in those states. But what happens is then the liberals from New York and California and Chicago, their companies close because of the liberal policies. And so they move to where there are jobs, but they vote the same way they did in California and in New York and in Chicago. And what happens? The companies start closing again. All the problems start coming again. Why? Because they're fools. They're fools. They can't be told anything. And here's the thing. You can't tell me right from wrong. If you say a person needs to work for their money, that's hateful. If you say that the government has nothing except for what that takes from the people, that's hateful. You need to pay your fair share. Okay, what is my fair share? Have you ever asked that question? They won't tell you. Because to them, the fair share is everything. So what are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about truth. We're talking about right from wrong. And a fool will constantly resist the truth. And we as Christians, we're going to keep telling the truth. And the world will hate us for it because we won't go along with the program. What is Common Core Education about? What's it about? It's about building teamwork and establishing people who can fit into the system and acquiring data on those young people. One of the biggest problems that our teachers have right now is so much of their time is record-keeping now. And what's it all about? It's about making sure that there is a group think. And if you don't fit into that group, you're an outlier, that person needs to be marked. Watch that guy. Send him to counseling. Watch that girl. Send her to counseling. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought individualism was the key. Whatever happened to, I got to be me. What the world has done is the world is saying that if you believe in absolute morality and absolute truth, that is wrong. And yet, if you violate their orthodoxy, they will destroy you. Here's what it comes down to. You've got to believe something. You've got to believe something. So first of all, our foundation is love. Our experience will be hate. But look at, let's go back to 
You ought to take the time to read Proverbs 29. The whole chapter is on that. Go back to, to John 15. Verse 17 again. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Everybody there? John 15, look at verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Here's the key. Not only is our foundation love and our experience will be hate, but our place is in Christ. Our place is not in the world. Our place is in Christ. So I function in the world in Christ. So what I am doing is I am just living as a Christian. I am taking Christ into the world. So think of putting a boat in the water. The water is the world. You're in the boat. It's okay when the boat's in the water. Right? And what am I going to say next? What's the problem? When the water's in the boat... When the water's on the boat, you're going to sink and you're going to die. So the idea is that we go out into the world and we are in the boat of Scripture. We're in the boat of Christ. And as long as we function there, there's safety and we can have influence in the world. But when the world starts getting into the boat and we start changing our minds and changing the way that we speak based on the world... We lose our influence and we die spiritually. And as a church... We, com- we completely lose our reason for existence. We are here, folks, to be different. We are not like the world. We are different from the world. And that's going to become harder and harder and harder. But that's okay. Jesus told us it would happen. Our place is not in the world. Our place is in Christ. So our foundation is love. Our experience will be hate. Our place is in Christ. And our comfort is not guaranteed. Our comfort... Is not guaranteed. Now, how many of you enjoy comfort? Right? You, you like the comfortable chairs? Now, so I know some folks, the chairs aren't as comfortable as the pews were, but you are a smaller number. <laughs> All right? We do care about your comfort. We try to have air conditioning, try to make everything nice. I try to preach very short sermons that are non-offensive. No, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. We do care about your comfort. And I like to be comfortable. But God didn't promise you comfort. We have lived in a very unusual time. As Americans, we've been able to be very comfortable as Christians. As a matter of fact, some of the largest clubs in the schools were Christian clubs. That's all changing. God didn't promise you comfort. And it's going to get worse. Based on this Supreme Court decision, it will get worse. So our foundation is love. Our experience will be hate. Our place is in Christ. Our comfort's not guaranteed. But our work is the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. Everybody look with me at verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Holy Spirit is going to testify of Jesus. And ye also shall bear witness. 
because you've been with me from the beginning. So our work is the same work as the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy God, Jesus Christ was going to ascend to the Father, He's going to send the Holy Spirit. When He sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was going to bear witness of Jesus. That's going to testify of Jesus. Is that right? Is that what the Bible says? But then He says, but you're going to do this too. So our work is the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you agree with that? That our work is the work... Okay, if you agree with that, raise your hand. Our work is the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at what that work is. And then we'll understand what our job is in the world. Verse, chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. And so let's move this to today. Christians who take the right stand on this will be put out of their churches. Now you know that there are Christians all over the United States who take a stand against homosexuality and so have had to leave their churches. How many of you know that that's happened? It's happened here in Sydney. Is that right? How many of you know somebody in Sydney that that's happened to? Because the denomination is making a decision that violates the Scripture concerning homosexuality, those people have to leave their churches. So you'll be put out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. You know, there are people who believe that you ought to be put in prison. If you're a school teacher and you teach against global warming, you should be put in prison. There are people out there teaching that right now. Really? That's what they're doing. And these things, verse 3, will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither thou goest. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus Christ is going to send to the Father, and He's going to send the Holy Spirit. What happens when He sends the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit going to do? Remember, our work is the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Verse 8, And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. All right, so here's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to reprove the world. Here's the definition of reprove from Webster's Dictionary. To blame to censor. How about that? To charge with fault to the face. To blame for. To convince of a fault or make it manifest. To refute or to disprove. To excite sense of guilt. So, uh, I have said this to people. Adam, so imagine you're doing something wrong. And I would tell you this. Adam, that's wrong. What you're doing there? And he said, he's sorry. Hallelujah. Repentance immediately. <laughs> I like that. So that's what reproof is. Adam, that behavior is wrong. It's an offense to God, and it will cause you harm. That's reproof. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. How many of you have ever had the conviction of the Holy Spirit? You say something to somebody at church, and you're driving home, and the Holy Spirit starts getting you. You shouldn't have said that. Your behavior was wrong. It's the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been under conviction? How many of you have ever been under conviction of the Holy Spirit? It feels good, doesn't it? What? None of us like to be told that we're wrong. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what we as people, or as Christians, are supposed to do. 
supposed to tell the world that they're wrong. So on this, this decision by the Supreme Court, what are we as Christians supposed to do? When that conversation comes up, well, that decision was wrong. Can I tell you something that will shock you? Do you know that the, Holy, that, that, that the Supreme Court is not the arbiter of righteousness? Right? When the Dred Scott decision took place and all of these decisions that upheld slavery, none of us would say, no, well, it's the law of the land. We've got to abide by it. No, it was wrong. Just like abortion is wrong. You know what just happened this past year in, um, in England? So this is a report from March of 2014. The bodies of thousands of aborted and miscarried babies were incinerated as clinical waste, with some even used to heat the hospitals. So they took these, these aborted babies and burned their bodies to heat the hospital. That's Nazi Germany, folks. That's what it is. So the law of the land is it's okay to kill the babies. But people are all up in arms that they use the bodies to heat the building. Well, I thought it was just waste. I thought it was just matter. If, if it's not a person, why does it matter? How many of you, you, know, you say a prayer over the log before you throw it in the fire? How many of you know that's different than a baby? That's the world that we live in. The Supreme Court says that's okay. The Supreme Court is not the arbiter of righteousness. The Bible is. Amen? And that's what we have to understand. It, what we have to do in this world is we represent Christ. We represent the truth. We hold on to the truth. And our job is to tell the world that this is wrong. It's wrong to kill babies and burn their bodies to heat the building. It's wrong. And it's wrong for two men to marry each other. We've got to get this right. We reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So, this is wrong. This is right. And if you do this wrong and call it right, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. So what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Our source has to be the Word of God, not the Supreme Court. Let's just go through some verses and we'll be done. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 104. You know what would be a really good thing to do? All of these activists that are fighting for this, find out how their home life is. Are they happy? Psalm 119, verse 104. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Amen? Our source is the Word of God. Look at verse 128. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. Look at verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Look at verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Supreme Court can't change that. 
Look at Job chapter 28. Book right before Psalms, Job chapter 28. Job 28, verse 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to part and to depart from evil is understanding. Look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. This passage is just perfect for today. Psalm 19, look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are, what's that word? Right. But look at the result of it. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Remember that when they take away the tax exemption. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now look at this. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You see, our standard of righteousness does not come from the Supreme Court. Our mandate does not come from the Supreme Court. Our standard of righteousness and our mandate for righteousness comes from the Word of God. We need to understand that our foundation is love. Our place is secure in Christ. Our, our Position in this world, we're going to be hated, but we are in Christ and we are secure. We know that all of that is true. Our comfort is not guaranteed, but our eternity is sure. We can know the truth. The truth will make us free. How many of you want people to be happy? Amen? The Supreme Court can't make people happy. You see, one of the saddest things about this decision is what these people have fought for will not bring them peace. It will not bring them joy. It will not bring them happiness. It will not bring them rest. Why? Because they are living in direct opposition to God's will. What will bring them peace and joy and happiness? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. How is the Holy Spirit going to work in the world? Through you. Through you. Make a couple of statements and I'll be done. How many of you have heard someone make this statement? You cannot legislate morality. You heard that statement before? The opposite is true. The only thing you can legislate is morality. The question is whose morality will be legislated? 
And in our system, it's the people who are in charge. Who are those people? They are the people that we elect. Amen? Okay, now, everybody look up here. Really important that you get this. If you're a Democrat, and you voted for the Democratic presidents over the last 30 years, listen, this is your fault. The presidents appoint the justices. This is your fault. you, You could vote this way because you're in a labor union. You could vote this way because your mom and dad and grandparents were Democrats. This is on you. You did this. If you are a progressive Republican, you did this. George Bush appointed Kennedy. The, the one world, big government, more laws, fiscal conservatism, social liberalism. If you're a progressive Republican, this is your fault. This is our system. Amen? We must take responsibility for this. If you're a silent Christian, you're responsible. If all the people who claim to be Christians did what they were supposed to do, this would never happen. We cannot be silent, folks. We cannot be silent. We've got to go back to the beginning of the message, though. Our foundation is love. If your foundation is hatred and you speak in a venomous way, what the Bible says, what Jesus said in our passage in John chapter 15, was if they would receive my words, they'd receive your words. Well, if Jesus' words cause offense, that's one thing. If my words are different than Jesus' words and they cause offense, that's on me. That's on me. So we must speak the truth in love. It's hard to do that when you're angry. You've got to plan what you're going to say. We've got to do it right. So what are we going to do as Christians? We've got to be involved in primary voting. Don't listen to the talking heads. Well, that person can't be elected. How do we know? We haven't had a conservative run in 30 years. Mitt Romney was not a conservative. John McCain was not a conservative. Bob Dole was not a conservative. George Bush was not a conservative. These are big government people. Now, here's what I want you to get. so important that you get this. All of you young people, everybody always wants there to be a law against something. Well, remember, if the only thing that can be legislated is morality, then those who are making the laws... Their morality is that which will be legislated. Very important that you get this. The more laws that we have, the worse we are. If you want something to be made illegal, then when the other party is in power, they can make your behavior illegal. If you want it to be illegal to do something that you believe is wrong, then when the other people get in power, they can make you speaking out against homosexuality be illegal because they think that's wrong. Listen, big government is a tyranny. It robs us of our liberty. 
And when we are robbed of our liberty, we lose the opportunity to preach and teach the truth and live out the truth in the world. Our job as Christians is to know the truth, to live the truth, and to speak the truth. That has to happen in our voting. It has to happen in our giving. It has to happen in our speech. It has to happen in the way that we work. All of it. Because if our life and if our positions, our scriptural positions, cause the world to hate us, well, look, they still love money. And if you're making them money, you'll be all right. Amen? Speak the truth when you're supposed to. Love always. And work harder than anybody else there. Amen? Let's be people in the world that the world admires even though they hate our message. Do you know what will happen? Speaking of the truth, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, along with a godly, charitable life, that is a power and that is a force that will turn the world upside down again. Amen? Look, we may never have national revival. God never promised us national revival. Nowhere in the Bible. The word revival doesn't even appear in the New Testament. You are not promised national revival in the New Testament. But you know what? God can do something great in Sydney. Amen. God can do something great in Sydney, Ohio. The Supreme Court decision changed nothing for us. It changed nothing for us. Our job is the same. Let's be the people that God wants us to be. Amen. We don't hate anybody. We hate wickedness. We love people. And Jesus Christ wants to save them. Last thing I'll say on it is this. When the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, he talks about the effeminate. That's another word for gay, homosexual. The Bible says, as were some of you. Apparently, the Apostle Paul didn't hate those people. He loved them, gave them the gospel, and God changed their lives. Amen? That's what we want. can't do that if you're throwing stones at them. can't do that if you hate them. You've got to love people. You've got to love people. Let's take God's message out to the world in the right way. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Your Word is so good. It is so right.